Hello listeners and welcome to Spectres, a podcast about producing music while haunted by ghosts. With a backdrop of evolving otherworldly soundscapes, I'm Alex, aka Holy57, and today we'll be haunted by the ghost of memory. Memory for me has a very spectral character, and it is a concept that I have long loved seeing explored in art of all kinds. It was a really big part of my previous mini-album, L. It was one of the major themes of the album because during the process of writing it, I started to learn more about my family history, and that involved a kind of collective memory, but also learning from my ancestors, from my grandmother. But at that time, my grandmother also started suffering from dementia, so it was kind of an exploration of the complexity of memory and and the limitations of it as well. So it's long been a fascination of mine, and I think it has a ghostly character because it's not an exact version of the past. It's not an exact version of events. It's it's rather like an apparition of events, a version that takes shape in our minds, and I'll talk a lot more about this idea later in this episode. For any unfamiliar listeners, each episode of this podcast centres around a particular song from my upcoming mini-album Why, and the themes of ghostliness that that song explores. So in today's episode, I'll make mention of my brand new single Hyper Real, which I released last Friday. So it's available online if you haven't heard it yet, you can go and stream it. In a way, Hyper Real is a song that links to the themes in the last episode uh, of digital technology and the ghost in the technology but unlike the last single Cambridge Massachusetts which explored sensory overload in the digital society with hyper real I wanted to instead use simulation and digital technology more as a metaphor for something more personal um, and in particular for my memory of my grandmother uh, my grandmother who passed away uh, a couple of years ago now And the song plays with the idea that you can simulate a version of a person who is no longer in your life and the complexities that doing that might create. Like if you did that, how would it feel knowing that the simulation per se is not really that person, yet they still give you the feelings or experiences you might have had when they were in your life? Would you be able to distinguish between the two, between the simulated version and and the real person? At what point do you kind of lose track of that distinction? And would doing that, simulating that person, be an inherently selfish act? Would it tarnish the relationship that you did have to that person in the past? And the way these kind of maybe high-level ideas link to memory is that I feel like memory can be a kind of simulation of the past. It's, like I said, rather than being a 100% accurate version of the past, it's a version that is constructed through perception through my mind in the present my memory is constructed through my perception and my mind in the present so hyper real is a song where i was really trying to kind of question that and grapple with what that means prompted by my grandmother's passing and a brief little factoid about hyper real it's also a bit of a special track on the album because uh, i mixed this song in collaboration with david newfeld who i've worked with in the past on my first record h He produced my song Island Kids, for example, and Dave is someone whose work I've always loved. I first came across him when he was a member of the band Broken Social Scene, who are one of my favourite bands. 
He produced my two favourite records by them, You Forgot It In People and their self-titled album. And the way I'd describe his work is he brings so much colour and a kind of beautiful chaos to everything he produces. And I find, like, sometimes his work feels like an auditory version of some of Jackson Pollock's more bright and colourful paintings. So I'd be remiss today not to shout out Dave's work. If you haven't heard it before, I highly recommend the Broken Social Scene album. You forgot it in people as a starter point. It really is a masterclass in music production. And the instrumental of our mix of Hyperreal is playing in the background now. Now Dave isn't my guest on the podcast today, but I am going to introduce my guest a little earlier into the episode because I think he'll have quite a bit to say on this theme of memory and ghostliness. So I wanted to have a bit of discussion before we listen to my ghosted version of Hyperreal. And for those who are unfamiliar, the ghosted version is where I create a ghost of the song of the episode. So what would a song's ghost sound like? And I do that in the vein of the kind of themes of ghostliness that we're talking about in the episode today. So for this episode, unlike the last episode where I had a a music producer, I've decided to get one of my uh, close friends on uh, his name is Rob, Rob Hakimian, and he is a writer. Um, he's a writer, a music journalist, and also a creative writer. He's written for loads of websites, Clash, DIY, Quietus, Best Fit, and he also co-founded and is the editor for Beats Per Minute, which is a great online music publication that I recommend you read and follow. And Rob is really good at long reads in music journalism. Like he'll do, he does a lot of interviews with artists. I mean, he's interviewed so many artists, a lot of my favorite artists. Um, And well, he kind of deep dives into new albums in really interesting ways. So I thought he'd be a really good person to have on this podcast because he always has an interesting perspective, something to say about music and he also knows more about music and new music than anyone else I think I know so uh yeah welcome Rob thanks for coming on oh thank you that's a very kind intro and uh it's a, it's a pleasure to be invited I think this is the first time I've guested on a podcast yeah well you you had when you worked at the 405 you had your own podcast didn't you? yeah and I had a student radio show before that so I've always been the hosts but I've never been the guests <laughs> uh, so I've thought to have you on today would be great uh, as we're, we're talking about the theme of memory um, and sort of how memory is ghostly in music and art a, a lot of um, artists a lot of musicians will use memory as a concept and I find that memory also overlaps with ghostliness as a concept a lot like a few movies in the last few years that focused on like ghostliness and memory so there was the film Personal Shopper and that featured Kristen Stewart and it was about somebody who kind of had memories of somebody who they loved, who they lost and that was associated with kind of them perceiving their ghost and um, there's also this film Uncle Boon Me who can recall his past lives which is one of my favourite movies which it's a Thai movie and it's all about basically it's about this guy dying and in the process of dying starts to see his loved ones who passed before him um, and sees their ghosts but also is kind of remembering his own life and his previous lives in because it links in with uh, Thai culture and the idea of reincarnation. 
can we wait? Can we also add to that list of movies a, um, a ghost story? Oh yeah, that's actually another one of my favorite films. Do you want to give us your your take on Ghost Story? Oh well, I haven't seen it since I was in the cinema, but it was one that left me thinking for a while. Not necessarily that I really formed any solid thoughts, but just this idea of being stuck to a place, no matter how long how long you're there, can just the whole earth can restart again, and you'll still be. Yeah, there. I don't know. I don't know. I can't really think of anything more profound. It was so powerful. Yeah, but it's it's a one of those where it's really powerful to watch, but I can't really put into words why it is that. Yeah, um, I mean the end. I won't spoil it, but the end of the film was like one of the biggest gut punches I think I've ever had in a yeah in a in watching a film. It's just got such a perfect ending. Um, and the soundtrack, actually, I absolutely love. It's by Daniel Hart, and it's it, yeah, it's kind of got this like ambient, electronic, classical mix of sounds, and it just sounds great. Yeah. Um, the thing that people mostly remember from that film is the pie eating scene, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which yeah. which is like classic, but kind of when people just say, "Oh, that's the film where she eats the pie," like that kind of uh, diminishes the power of it a little bit. Yeah, and also like I think when I finished the film, I realised the significance of a pie eating scene because the pie eating scene, for those who don't know, it's literally like a five or it's like a five minute scene of uh, one of the characters where she's just eating pie. But when I finished the film, I felt like it made sense because basically, as the film goes on, time starts to sort of expand like the timeline of the film just gets longer and longer to the point where basically like rob said time like restarts so like the universe ends and begins again and basically the fact that that five minute scene happens and then you watch five minutes later on in the film and five minutes are like thousands and billions of years there's like something to that that kind of really just impacted me because it's like it's telling you that at the end of the day like five minutes can be as powerful as you know billions of years for somebody who's living through grief like because at the end of the day you know our lives are are short and compared to those big scales i don't know i actually it kind of made sense in the long run for me afterwards Mm, no that makes sense i hadn't thought about it like that but yeah that does make sense like it's the whole time is a construct thing and yeah five minutes in a movie might seem like a lot of a movie but five minutes in the expanse of time is literally nothing yeah exactly um yeah it's interesting and it's like yeah how long are you supposed to grieve someone uh, yeah and i don't know five minutes of intense eating is one hell of a way to grieve someone <laughs> it's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean and i think the it's interesting because time as a way of understanding ghosts actually came up in the last episode um we kind of towards the end we started talking about time and perception of time and i think that really plays into memory um memory is something i've always been really fascinated with uh particularly like in art like i would say most of my favorite pieces of music pieces of film generally will have some element or themes of memory like I mean even something like To Pimp a Butterfly Kendrick Lamar in fact I think you mentioned this to me before yeah that was one of the ones I was going to bring up as a good example because that's that's one of the songs he sings about you know we're just 
telling the stories of our dead homies and that comes up again in the interview with Tupac at the end it's a Tupac yeah. saying, like, we're just letting our dead homies tell stories for us so in a way he's kind of positing this idea that his his raps are just uh, uh, just messages being sent to him from beyond the grave by people he's lost and there is a lot of them to Pimp a Butterfly about all the friends he lost too young or associates or people he just vaguely knew from his neighborhood who just died in, yeah. in gang wars like needlessly um, yeah. and kind of relaying their message maybe not so obviously anti-gang but uh, it is that like, it's supposed to be like a warning from beyond the grave like why did I waste my life on this when there's so much more out there kind of thing yeah. Mm. yeah, so I think uh, memory and, and ghosts are a big part of To Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, maybe we can pivot there to, as somebody who has written more about m- music than probably anyone else I've, I've met, and also somebody who's interviewed so many artists, it's a two-part question, I should say. <laughs> One is, like, what for you is the connection between ghosts and memory? And the second part is, like, what pieces of music, what artists came to mind when I asked you, you know, to come on this podcast to talk about this topic? Yeah, well, I was thinking about ghosts and memory, and it's like, ghosts are memories. They are the same thing, essentially. It's kind of like how nightmares are dreams. Uh, You are... When you're reminded of something, if you're reminded of something you don't want to remember, you're haunted by that thing. And so, that you know, ghosts are memories, essentially. And I think all music, not just... No one just makes up a song with no feeling attached to it, do they? I don't know. Maybe if you're, like, improvising, then you're failure in the moment. But anytime you're writing a song, you're drawing from memory, even if it was, like, a memory of yesterday. Uh, yeah. Often the more powerful ones are, are ones where you can tell this is something like a feeling that has lingered for, you know, years, decades, generations mm. even. If they can really, if a songwriter can really capture that, then it is more powerful and you do feel like there is some kind of spiritual connection there. But I think any song has an element of memory to it. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the albums that sprung to mind were to Pimp a Butterfly was one just because I've been listening to that again recently uh, in terms of more um, on the nose I, I was thinking of Jason Molina of Songs I Hire and McNeely Electric Coat I mean there's loads of artists who have obviously passed away now and you, and you listen to them and sometimes it feels mm. like you're hearing them beyond the grave but with Jason Molina he was the musician who died who had the most profound impact on me when I heard about his death just because it had been known for quite a long time that he was in a bad way with his alcoholism and you know his family Mm. had reached out for any help that people could provide and then I don't know it just never materialized and he sadly passed away and anyway even before that he passed his music was already so imbued with ghosts and things that he'd done that he regretted or, or, you know, at least that's what it sounded like. Who knows how much of it was made up, but you get the feeling that it wasn't. And then uh, last week, they just put out a posthumous record of his as well, which is a whole other thing to do with ghosts. Like, posthumous records are becoming quite popular now, especially in hip-hop, because of so Mm. many of them passing away so young. 
Um, but then the main one that I thought of, which was my favourite album of the 2010s, was uh, Mount Erie's A Crow Looked At Me, which is uh, Phil Elverham, the mastermind behind the microphones, who then changed his name to Mount Erie. I feel like his whole life is kind of, his whole work has been about reliving memories and ghosts and stuff. Like, before the passing of his wife, which is what A Crow Looked At Me is about, uh, he would find all sorts of ghosts and stuff in, in nature and in, in history. Uh, but then, you know, after his wife, Geneviève, passed away, it became a very much more literal thing, and it was all about... Um, you know, that album, A Crow Looked At Me, is literally about the weeks leading up to and the weeks after her passing away from cancer, and it's very harsh and hard to listen to. And uh, I understand, what I've recommended it to so many people, and a lot of people just can't handle it because it is so grim. But, you know, I have personal reasons for connecting to that. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I think even beyond that album, he's been interested in... in ghost in fact the album that came after that now only the opening line is i don't believe in ghosts or anything but now that you're gone blah 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 and you know he's kind of saying i don't believe in ghosts but at the same time it feels like through the whole thing he's 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 conjuring her memory Mm. um and then his most recent album which he just put out last week where he switched back to the name the microphones that was kind of like reliving past versions of himself, kind of re- re-mythologizing his time as the microphones. It was mm. one 45-minute long song where he just kind of relived his musical evolution, which in a way is a ghost as well, because even though there's no death involved there, that he has moved on and he's not that version yeah. of himself anymore. And Yeah, I don't know. I think like all of his music has a certain ghostliness to it. And uh, yeah. this is maybe one of the things that keeps me so enamoured with it, no matter how much he puts out. In in terms of sound, like, do you think there is a particular kind of sound that is ghostly in music? Um, like, you know, is it more, would you say it's more likely to be confined to particular genres than others or not? I think the most... It, goes i don't think it can it's confined i feel like any genre can probably do it mm. but i feel like it's more naturally attuned to folk because folk is by its very like tradition is passed down through generations to generations yeah and you know they tell stories often folk songs are quite scary and involve death or wrongdoing and just the the fact of it being passed down from generations means that like by the time someone was singing a traditional folk song, the person who created it is probably long dead and they have no idea who wrote it, but they're still kind Mm. of evoking their spirit every time they play it. So I think folk is probably the most natural one. But then listening to, like, your ghosted versions of your songs, you wouldn't call that folk at all, but it is very very ghostly, no doubt. So I feel like... I just can't imagine it in, like, a banging house tune, but, I mean, I'm willing to be proven wrong. Yeah, I mean, the closest thing to ghostliness, I think, in house or dance is is the left-field stuff like Vatican Shadow, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think atmosphere is a big part. If it's going to be electronic and ghostly, then atmosphere is a big part of it. Like a really pristinely produced like techno track 
it probably doesn't have that much space. I feel like it doesn't have space for any kind of spirits in it. Mm. Whereas something like what Vatican Shadow does, either as Vatican Shadow or he works under so many different aliases, my favourite being... Now can't remember. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, his real name is Dominic Furnow, and he also works under the names uh, Rainforest, Spiritual, Enslavement, and Prurient as well. Okay. They're all really good. Uh, and it's hard to kind of differentiate between them. I guess one is more ambient than the other. Vatican Shadow is the more techno one and Prurian is the more just experimental one. But yeah, all of his music is kind of imbued with spiritual spirits and of some kind, either through samples or just through the way he creates atmosphere, leaves space for your imagination to kind of, you know, fill in the gaps with whatever it may do, which mm. in my, my case and evidently in your case is something quite... Uh, spooky yeah i mean when i asked you about this topic were there any particular artist interviews that you've conducted in the past that kind of you felt like really came to mind i mean you know when i interview artists we're mostly talking about the new album so it's not so much delving into the past though i have done a couple of baker's dozen for the quietest which is where we ask an artist their 13 favorite albums and when I did it with Sebastian Tellier, he got quite emotional about some of them, especially the ones who have passed on, this guy Christophe that he thought was a French legend and uh, taught him how to be cool. And, and, and um, mm. yeah, I found that quite affecting the way he was talking about it. I don't know if it comes across as well in text. Mm. And then also, you know, he was saying... You know, when he first passed, he couldn't believe it. But then, yeah. you know, as time moves on, he realizes that he was thankful just to have known him. And yeah, I don't know, ghostliness doesn't always necessarily have to be a scary thing, does it? It can be like, no. a, it can be a, a celebration. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the aspects I think that I explore, at least I try to explore in my music. I mean ghostliness became a theme in this record because memory was sort of the main theme of the previous record I would say. My my grandmother is, has been always like quite a central part of my music um, I kind of liked the idea of telling family histories through music and exploring cultural history as well um, with respect to my Indian heritage and so when she died in between that album and the one i going to put out this year uh, that was quite difficult from the one one point of view because I was really close to her um, but then also because that left me wondering like how, where do I go from here how do I do it respectfully like um, and she still features actually on quite a few of the new songs which none of the singles I've put out so far but um, basically before she died when I was creating the previous album, I did long interviews with her and I recorded all those interviews. And so I still had some sections of those interviews left over um, that I was able to use for this album. And so then w with this new record, I've, well, for basically throughout the album, I'm kind of grappling with what you've been talking about, like the kind of the sadness, the scariness of ghostliness and the beauty in a way of ghosts, the beauty of remembering someone and thinking about who they were. I think there is some resolution that comes through the record, but not 
it doesn't totally resolve. Like, I don't think you can ever completely be like, well, you can be at peace, but you can't ever be, like, it's not like you can ever be over somebody's death who you're close to. It's like, they're, they're always with you and their death will, will be with you. So I guess it's like coming to terms that with that. Yeah. Was something I grappled with on this record. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because you, you'll never fully be at peace with it because there'll always be things you'd wish you'd done or said yeah. that you can't do. So maybe music is a good outlet for that in a way. Maybe honouring them is all you can do after the fact, you know. It's kind of similar to this interview that I thought of. It's quite similar to your experience because it was also with an Indian guy. He's Indian-American called Sonny Jane. And his album that came out this year, Wild Wild East, is kind of about his parents... Uh, immigration or emigration from India to New York after the partition yeah. in the early 20th century and it's a lot about kind of exploring their lives as a as an Indian immigrant in America but then also his father passed away during the making of it so his spirit kind of resides through the album and they play his I don't know if you know this instrument I hadn't heard of it before I spoke to him it's called a, a Balbal Torang oh yeah it's like an Indian Indian banjo he said this is another um, and he had a his father had one of those and would play it uh, growing up uh, around when they were kids and they would he would play yeah. like songs from Bollywood films and uh, on the album they kind of reproduced a couple of those songs as full band versions and they've used his father's Bobo Tarang so it's kind of nice kind of as we're saying kind of honoring him mm. rather than mourning him in a way and I think that's a really powerful thing absolutely I'm glad you brought brought that up and actually so the song Hyper Real which is the song that this episode of the podcast is uh, I guess like centered around Hyper Real was a song where I tried to, I basically was like grappling actively with the idea of like, is somebody the same person in my memory than they really were? And at what point am I kind of, at what point is me sort of taking over? And is that okay? The, the song Hyper Real is pointing to this theory called hyper reality, which is something that was created by this um, social theorist, Jean Baudrillard. I can't, I can't ever say his name. Baudrillard. Baudrillard. <laughs> but um, basically, he kind of conceived of this idea of hyper-reality, and a lot of it was to do with um, simulation, and particularly, I guess, now nowadays, it gets used with relation to like artificial intelligence or simulated forms of real people and what, how much a simulation is like a real person or and how much it diverges from the real and the idea that the hyper real thing sometimes can be realer than the real because um, at least my reading and understanding of that is like the hyper real thing can be something that where like all the kind of com complexities and the uncertainties get sort of forgotten or ironed out to kind of create this idealized image of someone uh, or something and he talks about this like as a cultural theory but when I was reading that I was also going through, um, I guess, grieving my grandmother. And it took me on this thought trip where I was thinking, oh, how much is somebody in my memory 
the like hyper real version how much is somebody like the idealized the perfected version after they after they've gone and where where is basically me taking over and ironing this out and turning it into something that like kind of makes me feel good and so on and like that's something i've always found really interesting about um not just posthumous memory but memory in general the fact that like it is always a reading of the past but through the lens of the present if that makes sense but yeah that's all interesting and wet i hadn't realized that that was what the song was about to be honest even though i read the lyrics uh i've, I've interpreted it in a different way but now you've said that i find it really interesting and i'm definitely i'm a few years on from losing someone close in my family and yeah i've had that thought of like which memories are real which are kind of composites which are kind of stolen from others and and you know how many things have i forgotten as well and yeah. would it be better just to have that person back than to try and live through memories i don't know it's a really complicated and strange one it kind of reminds what you when you were talking about it reminded me of that episode of black mirror i don't know if you've seen it which one? of course black mirror has done an episode on this <laughs> Uh, I think it, it was an early-ish one with uh, Donald Gleeson. Oh, yeah, that one's probably my favourite episode. That's the one, right, where he dies and he comes. They, she brings him back as a sex robot. Well, not a sex robot, a robot made out of his social media yeah. presence, basically. Yeah, I'm sure there's been other movies that have done similar things. But how did you end up writing this song out of that idea? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, what, one of the early lines in it that kind of piques my curiosity is, "I can break a habit when I want." What were you What were you thinking about there? What kind of habits? And were you thinking like, "I can break it if I was a hyper real version," or, or what do you mean by that? I, so I don't know about you, but sometimes like I'm very knowingly turning to a memory, and it's like this kind of cushiony, comforting thing. But I almost know, like, that's not quite how it went down, but I'm actively choosing to read it that way now. And I do that because it comforts me. But I feel like I can break habit when I want is a phrase that implies that you can't break a habit. Like anyone who says, I can break a habit when I want, mm. is someone who probably actually has a habit. Like the fact that you have a habit yeah. in the first place, it, it, it's not so easy. At least that's how I feel about it. And so... I can break a habit when I want was saying, oh, I don't have to believe in the hyper-real thing. I don't have to, you know, this is just a choice. This is something I'm in control of. When actually, like, uh, you might not be as in control as you, you think you are. So it's, it's quite a, like, concealed lie in that one. But I just really like the way it sounds as well. If it gives you all the same feelings that you had when the, the quote-unquote real thing was there, then what's to say it's not real yeah exactly uh, I also like the line teeming with the transients I mean I obviously understand what you mean by that now that you said that but I like it as a the, the consonants of it yeah I, it was one of those lines where specificity of a meaning was less important to me than how it sounded mm -hmm. and how it flows off the tongue okay so now I'm gonna play the ghosted version of Hyperreal and I'll talk a little bit with Rob after we've listened to it about what guided me in writing it and making and producing this version of the song. So here is the ghost of Hyperreal.
the real thing, we love the real thing. Any world in everything is blood. And unexpected actions I can know it See you in the flesh I can never take you in my arms You can never guide me through the rest But you could be my heart for real So that was my ghosted version of Hyperreal. Well, last on last week's one, you for uh, Cambridge MA, it sounded like you did a very complex kind of mathematical thing to create the ghosted version, and it ended up a lot more mangled than this one. <laughs> so uh, this one actually sounds like an actual song. Yeah. 
so what what did you do this time? Um, so this was I basically thought, what is ghostly about memory? And we've obviously been talking about this in our conversation. The memory of somebody is sort of like a patchy version. It's kind of in cuts. Like you don't remember everything about a person. You remember certain things more than other things. You the ghost story thing. So the, the five minutes perhaps that you had with one person, and those five minutes were a really important five minutes. You might remember those better than say a whole year of interactions with that person. And there's a fogginess to memory. So, like for the most part, it feels like if I try to think of my memories with a person, I like roughly know where they were for a particular year or a particular state of time. And then within that fog, certain things like emerge that are more tangible. You know, specific events that I can remember where I saw them or feelings that I had. So I used that as a, a reference point for like how I went about changing the song. Um, and you're right; it was a completely different process to the, the first song. So I applied that with these, and I did a few things. Like I, I basically created a bed of fog in the song. Um, like I used the parts of the song to create more ambient, sort of warped sounds. That for me was like the fog of memory, the kind of the ghost of the song. They were its sort of outline, and every now and then it would sort of materialize and become something that you actually really that was familiar.、Um, and sometimes the other thing was like I, I mix stuff around a bit. So you know how the order of the memories isn't always clear. So things will appear in slightly the wrong place. They might return. In unexpected ways and so on. So that was the approach I took、um, to making it. I don't know if that came across though. <laughs> Interesting. No, yeah, it did actually. Now that you mentioned it, I got the going in and out kind of like it was memories of the song.、Um, is it weird to say that I prefer the ghosted version? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I,、uh, yeah, that's interesting. So why? Because、uh, I don't know. Maybe I just like the layers of the kind of layers you put under it to to to、um, what's the word I'm looking for to emanate that kind of ether sound. That kind of this is the the great mass of memory, and certain things are c- c- coming to the surface. And、uh, I don't know. Maybe I just I just like that kind of、uh, the numbness of it. The kind of all-encompassing blanket of the sound.、Uh, yeah, was, it's more relaxing than the than the other version. Maybe that's just yeah. The, I mean, the other version is more of, I guess, just a pop song. Yeah,、uh, maybe that's just more my my des- my desire is to hear something a bit more chilled out right now. <laughs> I mean, there's a particular artist I feel like it kind of ended up sounding a bit like the original version or the ghost the ghosted version.、Um, And that for me was、uh, Tim Hecker. Oh, interesting. Yes. So there's a section towards the, the like second half of the track, like a guitar line or something that somehow, when I affected it, created this really nice sort of like sparkly but also、mm. kind of mournful sound. And that reminded me of Rave Def 1972 a bit. Yeah.、Um, Which is also a very ghostly album in a way. I think. So ghostly. Yeah. <laughs> And that's actually one of my favorite、um, ambient albums of all time. And the the kind of evocation of that piano drop、uh, experiment, it's kind of like a ghost of an experiment. 
in a way that, that what he's doing is weird like I guess ghosts aren't just from living things they can be yeah. places and, and actions as well yeah but that's what that has just made me think of the piano drop from Rave Death yeah and I guess all of Tim Hecker's music is a bit ghostly I feel like Rave Death is the best because it has that conceptual through line that the others don't necessarily have but all of his music is Mm. quite ethereal and and uh, yeah as you were kind of describing the ghostly version I thought you know it kind of fits with the theme in the way you described it mm. like the memories memories come out of order they come up at different times out of nothing so yeah I don't know <laughs> does that annoy you that I say I prefer the ghosted version <laughs> it doesn't annoy me I think it's kind of exciting to know that somebody else appreciates these kind of experiments as much as I do. I, I think I, th- I think it's in this day and age, songs are just produced at such a rate. Like, there is so much music constantly coming out, and, you know, we hear one song, and then by, you know, next week, I'm not listening to that song anymore, I'm listening to something else. And there's not really much time to slow down and, like, contemplate and engage with it, like I would, say, in a museum or, like... A piece of art it, where you kind of think about its themes and maybe you return to it um, which I do obviously with my favorite albums but I just like the idea of like sitting and contemplating and re reimagining a particular song it just it has something to say and I, I like that your point about yeah like going through museums and actually spending time with because this relates back to the ghosts are in objects as well it's almost like uh, communing with that past where you're seeing something something really you know profound something that really moves you and connects with you and I feel like ambient music is probably the best music at evoking a similar feeling because it forces you to sit in it and experience it for an extended period of time um, and it probably is the most uh, effective in kind of evoking ghosts which is probably why Nine Inch Nails named their ambient album Ghosts. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, to finish off our conversation, I kind of wanted to ask you uh, your perspective in your field, which is in creative writing. What would a ghost of a book look like, just like a ghost of a song? That's, that's interesting because it's not like. I don't know, it might have happened, but I can't ever imagine someone ever doing, like, in films and in music, you can have remixes or director's cuts. But when it comes to novels, you never see, like, oh, I've, I've decided to go back to my novel from 20 years ago and, and re- rewrite it or whatever. Um, I'm not sure if there would be, like, a ghost a ghostly version of a novel. I don't know. I haven't thought, I haven't thought <laughs> have you Have you got any theories about how you could make a, a ghost version of a novel? No, uh... Well, yeah, actually I did, like, it was, so one idea I had would be, like, you write a whole novel, and then you just ax, axing important sections, so what is left of a novel is something that doesn't, like, actually have the whole narrative, and that isn't ever revealed to the reader, so there are important parts of a novel simply just missing in the final version, and those sort of absences have to be left to the reader to understand mm, the David Lynch novel <laughs> yet to be written the first one that occurred to me thinking about ghosts and literature I just read recently Beloved by Toni Morrison which I think is an extremely powerful way of 
ghosts, like former actions and, and regrets and sins kind of manifesting as ghosts. And at first, it's the titular beloved brings happiness and forgiveness. But as she kind of stays on and the memories associated with her, I don't know if I'm giving away too much of the book, but probably... Uh, Spoilers, everybody. Beware. Uh, with her death, uh, kind of start to become unignorable and, and make the atmosphere a lot... You know, that, that atmosphere of joy at this person coming back from the dead is, you know, is kind of ruined by the, the memories and the prevailing thoughts of, you know, why were they dead in the first place? Uh, I don't know, that I, I'm doing a bad job. And then there's so much more to Beloved about, you know, the history of African-Americans and slavery and stuff. But that, it's, I think the way they use ghosts without ever actually using the word ghosts or ever, you know, explicitly saying she was a ghost uh, is a really powerful way of kind of dredging up these really harrowing memories and bringing them right to the fore even decades later and and I thought it was a really powerful tool that she used. No wonder that book is rightfully lauded as one of the greats and uh, Toni Morrison obviously one of the greats as well. Before you go is there anything you are working on right now that you want to shout out? Just always beats for minute.com. It's my labor of love. If you want quality album reviews and want to know the best new tracks that are out there, we put, we're putting together a good team of writers. So if you want to write for us as well, especially if you're not a white male, that would be extremely uh, <laughs> good uh, because it seems to be just white men who want to write for us. So we've got a few women. Uh, yeah, beatsperminute.com, Twitter at underscore Rob Hack. R-O-B-H-A-K Well, thanks so much for coming on for getting involved I hope you enjoyed it Thanks, yeah I did, I did It's always good to have a, a chat where I can nerd out a bit about music <laughs> So now, as the podcast begins to come to an end we have the final section which is the listener submission and listeners can send in voice notes where they talk about what ghostliness means to them and they send those voice notes to my email, which is holyholy1957 at gmail.com or to my Instagram at holy underscore 57. Uh, you can DM me. And I turn one of those submissions into an abstract, reflective think piece for the week. And the listener who submitted this week wishes to remain anonymous, but thank you so much for your submission. Uh, it was beautiful. It's wonderful to have something submitted that really, truly feels honest. And it's a privilege for me to be able to add sound to it. So I hope that you like what I've done with it. And to everybody else, thank you for listening. And I look forward to being back with you in another month's time for the next episode of Spectres. So I think for me, anxiety has been my ghost I've had since I was a child. It's always there not necessarily seen but always there in my life telling me what i should do what i shouldn't do how i should live my life and it's not tangible yet it feels more real than reality itself sometimes and anxiety is the ghost that wakes me up most